Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today let the word go forth fool me once are you fired up i'm not a crook are you ready to go shame on shame on you it's abe lincoln's top hat hosted by ben kissel boom yeah. you can't get fooled again Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Ben Kissel with Marcus Parks. Hey, Ben. Nice to have you, Marcus. Nice to have you, Ben. Now, you're no longer uh, ass deep in Hubbard, I see. <laughs> no, I'm still fully ass deep in you Hubbard. You are ass deep in Hubbard? I was just able to pull myself up for a second. <laughs> well, let me shake off that Hubbard for you. That's <laughs> oh. good. Oh, yes. Um, all right. We got a lot to get to today. Uh, the... Um, the Republicans completely failed us when it comes to our rights to privacy, the Fourth Amendment. Who cares? Who wants an illegal search and seizure? It doesn't matter anymore, specifically not when it comes to the Internet. Uh, in 2016, the Obama uh, administration created a regulation that banned private corporations, ISPs, Internet service providers, from selling your information, from disseminating your information to advertisers without your consent. Not just advertisers. Anybody. Anybody. Anything. Anybody. Whatever you searched on social media, whatever you searched on Google can now just be sold to the highest or lowest bidder. Um, Verizon, Comcast, uh, you know, AT&T, all of these companies now have access to basically your soul, mm -hmm. the inner workings of your mind. If you go to somebody's Google search and you can see every single thing that they've looked up, you know things that their parents don't know about them, their spouses don't know about them, and dare I say what they don't even know about themselves. If they got a snapshot of everything that they've seen or Googled throughout the month, I think they'd have a much better understanding of who they are as a person. <laughs> uh, and, and now they're just going to go to uh, marketers and anybody else who wants to use your information for anything that they want to use your information for. Uh, it's very interesting. I mean, the FBI has been creating these databases for quite a long time. They say the FBI, 80% uh, of the databases, 80% uh, of the names in the FBI database have been gathered by a large Stingray uh, technology the stingray just of course acts as a um as a uh I always forget the name of those things. What do you call them? Cell tower. Just acts mm -hmm. as a cell tower, although it's not a cell tower. It collects your information, these stingrays, the stingray technology, gives it to the FBI, the CIA, or whoever has set up that stingray, perhaps the mafia or something like that. 80% of the information and names in the FBI database are of innocent civilians who have done nothing wrong whatsoever. And now, of course, they're coming out with retina technology when it comes to your eyes. I was talking about this uh, the other day. I was arrested in New York City um, for helping a friend through a turnstile. Courtesy is illegal. <laughs> do not do it. The MTA wants that $2.50, and they will put you in jail for 23 hours if you refuse to give it to them. Uh, of course, I was actually in jail because I had an open warrant for drinking on a stoop, uh, which should also be legal. Hey, I was there for that one. You were there for that one. You've been there for a lot of my citations, I think. I failed to pay it. Next thing you know, I have a bench warrant, uh, and I spent three, 23 hours in the tombs because of that 
uh, in that process of signing into the tombs. They did the retina scan, uh, the whole thing. I believe they even took a DNA swab. So now they're going to be able to recognize my eyes uh, from a from a long distance, and privacy is completely out the window for me because of the new uh, you know retina technology that they're placing into the cameras that are on every single street corner and outside of every single apartment unit here in beautiful, well-surveillanced New York City. Yeah, I really don't see how anybody could say that the uh, Republican Party is for anything but money. I mean, that's what all of this is for. This is nothing but money. All this yeah. this does not benefit the American person, the American citizen. No. It does not People benefit don't. the American nope. worker. It benefits nobody but the telecom companies. Absolutely. And of course, you have your John Cornyn's out of Texas, a Republican saying this is going to, uh, it was an undue burden on business, the, uh, businesses, this regulation. Mm, uh, John Cornyn received $148,000 uh, mm. $148, from telecom companies. Oh, interesting. I wonder if that had anything to do with his opinion. Uh, I think it might have, uh, John Cornyn. So with uh, us constantly being surveilled on the streets and now surveilled on social media and the internet and then cyberspace, and cyberspace is real. It's a tangible place. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's just as real as your apartment or uh, as your as whatever, wherever you are, as, as a restaurant, uh, you know, cyberspace is a tangible place where people go, live their lives, and communicate. We saw that case. It was in one of the Nordic countries, I forget, but someone was playing Second Life. Mm -hmm. I believe it's called Second Life, right? Yep. And they stole a piece of furniture from a hotel, but the person paid real money to get that fake couch. Yeah. And then that person was uh, uh, charged in real court for theft. <laughs> so, I mean, these places are real. And I think the Fourth Amendment does apply to cyberspace. And the fact that these um, bought off, bought and sold politicians refuse to recognize that or they do recognize it. And it's even more nefarious. They're simply following the almighty dollar because we live in an era of constant campaigning. Uh, there is is no one for the American people to turn to right now, even the most, um, I suppose, well-established uh, well established libertarian voice in the Republican Party, Rand Paul. He sold out and signed this uh, and went for this uh, deregulation as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so who do we turn to now? If Rand Paul, the supposed libertarian, the supposed small government, stay out of our lives, um, man the, uh, of the Republican Party can't even uh, have the balls to stand up to these telecommunications companies and not allow them to break the Fourth Amendment, break the illegal search and seizure, and sell our data without our consent. Uh, if we can't even have Rand Paul stand up to him, then who do we got? We have absolutely nobody. Although the Democratic Party um, of course, it was in, in the Senate, it was a straight partisan vote. It was 50 to 48. The Democratic Party, we got to give credit where credit is due. Um, they were right on this, mm. and they were right to pass the regulation in the first place. So hats off to you, Democrats. <laughs> Good job. And, and that's where we are. I mean, the, the Republicans are coming out more and more to say that the American does not matter. The American business matters. And those are two very different things. And I think that's what people are confusing right now is there's a difference between the American business and the American American worker and yeah. what this administration is doing what this Republican Party right now is doing is that they are siding on the side of the American business and they yeah. don't give a fuck about you and a lot of these uh, things that are happening now with the peeling back of certain regulations certainly when it comes to climate we have the uh, the Paris uh, climate deal case in point uh, Donald Trump saying it's time to make America wealthy again right and uh, you know even ExxonMobil now I believe ExxonMobil probably benefited from the uh, from the Paris uh, climate talks 
and uh, and agreement. I'm sure in some ways. I mean, ExxonMobil, they're intelligent enough to realize we are shifting more to a clean energy. Um, as clean energy gets cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, we will be shifting more in, uh, into that in that direction because it'll be more economic. And that's all they want, of course, as you just said. I mean, it's the bottom dollar. But as, as clean energy becomes more proficient, cheaper, there's no reason why they won't go in that direction. But Donald Trump, of course, talking about how he wants to put coal miners back to work. Um, so they can continue to get black lung and die young. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, to some degree, I do think that it, that is good, coal miners, uh, you know, having a job and things like that, obviously. Um, but it doesn't seem like it's going to actually put a lot of coal miners back to work, his his new initiatives uh, to limit some of the regulations. If anything, a lot of those regulations led to um, jobs. It led to a, um, a business environment that was safer. Uh, for a lot of the coal miners as well. So he's also repealing certain regulations that led to a safer workplace for these individuals that he's promising to protect and put back to work. And that's why I made the joke about black lung. He's literally just like, no more work hours, no more hard hats. Don't even wear, <laughs> don't, no need to wear anything over your mouth. Just get on down there. And you know what? Your hands are shovels now. So just do it like that. But you're, you're back at work. If there's anything that's going to cost your employer, employer more than a dollar, he don't got to do it. And you got to fend for yourself have fun have fun like you're like you're trying to find a seat on southwest airlines <laughs> lord of the flies marcus and i uh, speaking of businesses making bad decisions southwest <laughs> airlines they do a thing where they brag about not have we talked about this yet? we have not no they, they brag about not doing seating assignments um so basically you just have to fight for your seat and negotiate and politic with people who are just grumpy. They're flying. They don't want to fly. And it's a waking nightmare. Yeah. Especially for me. I had to sit in the middle aisle, uh, in the middle seat uh, towards the end of the flight, our final flight coming back from, uh, Salt, from Utah. Salt yeah. Lake City, yeah. Salt Lake City. And uh, the horror in the eyes of the people as I was making my way down. Uh, the the, uh, the oh, sky. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Look at it. It's coming for us. And the sky waitress is like, there's no more aisle seats. I'm like, oh, my God. No more window seats. Oh, no. And the sweat, you could see them start to perspirate. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it could have been a deodorant commercial. We're like, monster sitting next to you? <laughs> Try degree. <laughs> you know, active sit. Uh, so um, it's been a really interesting uh, time now with the Trump administration. We're going to start seeing uh, we're seeing what it is becoming. And it's becoming uh, he is holding true to some of the things he said on the campaign trail. Although, of, of course, he's also distancing himself uh, from other things that he said on the campaign trail, specifically, uh, you know, his uh, LGBTQ stances and certain things like that. He's sort of uh, pulled the rug under the people that he promised to be the most supportive president in history too, mm. such as uh, gay individuals and people of the LGBTQ community who are extremely upset uh, with what they're seeing happening in Washington on a regular basis, and rightfully so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's getting to the point now where I, I think most people are, are extremely upset. Uh, I think once the actual cost of the wall really starts coming through and people start really seeing mm -hmm. what it's going to take to build this goddamn monstrosity, uh, uh, I think people are going to start getting upset about that, too. Well, the billions and billions of dollars, I think it's been anywhere from 6 to $15 billion are the numbers that, being, that are being thrown around. If we know anything about Washington, it's going to be more expensive than less expensive. Yo, so I would always yeah. err on the side of $15 million, a billion plus. Yeah. And then, of course, I mean, individuals, them, we talked about this in the last episode uh, or two episodes ago, cutting, cutting the Coast Guard uh, by $2 billion. 
billion. I mean, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever that obviously the vast majority of drugs and, and uh, human smugglers come in through our, um, through our oceans. You know, mm-hmm. we're, you know, we have huge borders there in the ocean. You know, maybe building a wall uh, there might be good. Save, save Los Angeles. <laughs> maybe that might be a better idea if we built some walls uh, on our ocean borders as opposed to our, our border with Mexico. Well, well, that's what a lot of people, uh, the the reluctant Trump voters, as they were called, uh, they said that uh, they voted for him like, ah, he's not going to build the wall. That's just talk. That's yeah. just bluster. Uh, but he ain't actually, he's actually going to do it. And I think a lot of people are going to look at it and say, wait, one fucking minute. What do we have to give up to get this stupid symbolic monstrosity across our borders through Big Ben National Park? One yeah. of the most beautiful parks that we have in the entire country. Well, it'll look really nice with a wall. <laughs> I always say that. That's always good. Uh, Travis Irvine, who was on the last episode, does have a good idea. Instead of a wall, make it a bead curtain, <laughs> which I thought that was pretty funny. So I got to give him credit for that. I like that. <laughs> Just a big old bead curtain. And then people wouldn't come in because they think we're a bunch of gypsies or something, <laughs> which that could also be very fun. Yeah. It's been an interesting week uh, for rhetoric as well. We were coming back from San San Francisco and we were on the Virgin flight together and I caught 60 minutes. Um, Scott Pelley was doing a story on fake news and uh, they, they had a conversation with Mike Cernovich. He's the author of, uh, I believe it's called Gorilla Mindset. Anyway, the man's a total bigot. Uh, he has said horrible things about sexual assault, being basically for it. Um, and that, that's not an exaggeration. Uh, and now he has a website that is uh, propagating and disseminating huge amounts of fake news because we live in an era now, and I was talking about this uh, when I got to do that radio program on Monday, we live in an era of monetized lies where advertisers see the click, they just they see the amount of attention that your website gets because of these clickbait fake ads, whether it be that Hillary Clinton has dementia or, you know, um, a whole series of other things that are far too sensational to be true, but they fit into people's narratives that they want to have in uh, they want to have manifested in reality. So they go into that with confirmation bias. They click on it, and that's what the advertisers see. They monetize these lies by then looking at those numbers and advertising on these sites. And that's what's happening across the board with the left and the right. Absolutely. If you want to look at the left, go no further than BuzzFeed and Pissgate. Oh my goodness! Yeah, the dossier. <laughs> the dossier. But that, you know what that is? Go, that, that did get Henry into politics. Henry Zabrowski. <laughs> Of course, <laughs> that is fucked up. He does and not stop very, talking about piss. Very gate. true. He does not stop talking about piss. Gate. That's when he's like, "Oh, there's piss in politics." Okay, yes, I, I'm, I'm on it. <laughs> I, I am. I am taking the lead on this story. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is both sides that are all about those almighty clicks, man. They they just want to say anything, yeah. and they can say it could be true. They say it might be true. Well, sources are saying the onus is on us to prove it to be untrue. So yeah. now we live in this new world where. Um, Uh, It used to be the individual who was uh, speaking had to prove themselves to be honest, had to prove themselves to be trustworthy. And now the onus is on the audience to prove themselves to be false, to prove that person to be wrong. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make it's it's a total flip of how it's supposed to go. That's why we can't trust anybody. And that's why you have politicians with such low approval ratings and somebody like Donald Trump able to rise through the ranks because everyone had such disdain and distrust for Washington to begin with. They said, well, let's put somebody in there who's a total scumbag because that's what they deserve. And, you know, I talked about this. Um, I believe you were on that episode when I interviewed with Tom Shalhoub, the host of Red Eye. Mm-hmm. Um, he 
just, you know, he's a pro-Trumper. And just getting some insight on his um, reasons behind it, it's because they have such disdain for the White House. They have such disdain for the Oval Office. They believe that somebody like Donald Trump is the amount of respect that that office deserves. They that and that's how they see it. They say it's not a monarchy. Yeah, but the, not, I mean, I guess it's an yeah, oligarchy the, the, the now. The presidency is not symbolic. Like that, that's right. that's it's not. It's a job. It is an it's, act, a, it's an actual job. That is such a childish is. way of thinking about things. It is. It is a childish way of thinking. That's about what a teenager a does. It, it, it well, and, and certainly without a doubt, Donald Trump does tug on those teenage heartstrings of raging against uh, the man and. Um, I'm going to show you, Mom. You yeah. know, I'm going to vote. I'm fine. Donald Trump then. Um, <laughs> and he's not right. He's not politically correct. It's. I mean, I don't even care that he's not politically correct. I just wish that he was uh, competent in the job that he has in front of him. Yeah, it's a it's a job. That's what I mean. That, And I, I really don't get that. Like so many, because I know you know, these are intelligent people that are holding these opinions, but I just don't know when Americans forgot that the president of the United States is a job. It's not like the Queen of England. The Queen of England is a symbolic position. She goes out, she shakes hands, she meets with foreign dignitaries. That's fine. The president well, makes decisions. The president has an actual job to do, a very difficult job to do. But that is the interesting thing as we continue now to prop up corporations as an extension of government, which is what's sort of happening now with the melding. We have Jared Kushner, obviously the husband of Ivanka Trump, um, and Ivanka now with security clearance over people like more power uh, in information, of information, uh, than, uh, than General Joseph Dumford, who is a war hero in the United States. Uh, his nickname is Fightin' Joe. <laughs> Isn't that kind of fun? It's not Dumphy? It's not Dumphy, no. <laughs> Although I do think Dumphy would be better. Now, well, you have two choices, Fightin' Joe or Dumphy. <laughs> well, let me see. Am I a cartoon elephant? No, no. I'm a soldier. I'm a general. Let's go with Fighting Fightin Joe. Joe. Gotcha. <laughs> but choice, Iv Ivanka choice. Trump now has more security clearance than he does, or on par security clearance uh, than he does. But of course, Ivanka is much closer to the President Trump, being her father, than Mr. Dumford. Um, so it is a very interesting- did Trump interesting say that he wouldn't give his children security clearance? He did. Yeah. Uh, and this, <laughs> this goes into a similar situation- um, uh, and I'm forgetting the name of the law. Maybe you could. It's it, it's just the uh, it is the um, nepotism law. I believe right. it was 1967 uh, when it came around. Maybe 1964. You can find that out. Either way, it was the 60s. The nepotism law came in, um, and Hillary Clinton was one that the the Republicans blamed or were attempting to say that this law would stop Hillary Clinton from being in charge of health care mm -hmm. uh, in the 90s. So the Republicans tried to use this against Hillary Clinton uh, having a, a much larger role than previous first ladies in the White House. And now we have Ivanka Trump, who, in my opinion, uh, national security, although health care is very important, specifically in the 90s when we had no uh, safety um, net whatsoever for individuals with pre-existing conditions, a whole series of other things, I would still say national security, nuclear weapons uh, are very, very important and a huge priority for this country. So the fact that a woman who is literally selling clothes at Nordstrom's or was it Bloomington? It Bloomin was Nordstrom's. Nordstrom's is now also t privy to information that four-star generals who worked their entire careers to become privy to that information so they could be in that room. She just... Right out of the fashion, right out of the clothing clothing business, into one of the most powerful positions uh, that a human a civilian can have. We are becoming a country run by rich kids. Like, we and, are. And well, I we mean, are. De the definition of it. We are a country run by rich kids, and we yeah. have been for quite some time. And Donald Trump is simply a, an actual face. 
But at the very least, before those rich kids kind of had to be a, go through some sort of process, they had to go through politics at the very least. Well, now it's just, I mean, now it's, that is Donald Trump giving his child a toy. I mean, that's what that well, is. Well, I, I, you know, I have to defend my Ivanka. <laughs> I, I always love Ivanka. She's the I only love, classy hey, person in the whole what? Trump family. Classy, fine. Sure. She's probably <laughs> great at selling clothes. I'm sure she is. She's very but, good. But when you're given this woman, uh, when you're giving her more power and more uh, knowledge than a four-star general, yeah. I mean, uh, what? Why? What what is that? What, what why is he why is he doing that? I think as as uh, the leaks continue to come out of the White House, obviously the Russian scandal, which we could get into it, you know, but we're going to hold off a little bit more. We'll we'll get more into that in the next it's, episode. It's such a large deal, but we're at, at this point we haven't uh, learned as we we know about Paul Manafort. Uh, mm-hmm. There's some connections there from a 2008 deal that he made with a Russian oligarch. Obviously, this uh, it's being called Flynn Gazi, which also reminds me <laughs> of a great punk group, which I kind of like with with General Michael Flynn. Uh, those those stories are going to st- continue to percolate and come through the pipe and. I do believe Michael Flynn might end up in cuffs, so who knows? I mean, there's a, a, a shit ton of smoke here, but, you know, yeah. I, I'd say let's wait for some fire Even on this one. Tr- yeah, Trey Gowdy, I would love to see Trey Gowdy arrested and oh. have, have to do a perp walk. That prosecutor, that scumbag, <laughs> the amount of people that he yeah. has put in prison the, for God knows what small offenses. The, right now, all the Russian stuff is like, that's interesting. Like the Sally Yates stuff and the Nunes stuff, it's all like... That's very well, interesting, but right now it's all very interesting. And Nunes, of course, they did set up a uh, congressional hearing. Sally Yates, of course, she was the former attorney general. She was the one who was let go because she failed. She refused to uh, enact uh, tra- uh, Donald Trump's seven-country travel ban. That was before they amended it to the six-country um, uh, travel ban that is out there now, oftentimes called the Muslim ban. Um, for better or for worse when it comes to that. I think there's some political uh, uh, branding going on with the calling it the Muslim ban. Well, he branded it. He branded but yes, of course, (laughs) he did. He did, I understand. (laughs) He said in a tweet it was a Muslim ban. Yes. It's pretty clear. Yes. If he had half a brain, that's why it's almost impossible to defend it. Because, yes, he did. Even though it's technically not, it's about 13% of the world's Muslim population. And you could argue those nations are too destabilized to really understand, to be, to be able to uh, find terrorists and things mm-hmm. like that. But anyway, yeah. that's a whole nother story. Um, so, yes, we will get into that. And, I, and I just want to see Manafort testify. I want to see um, Roger Stone testify. Oh, I want to see Roger Stone testify. Uh, Sally Yates, when she testifies, we'll keep you up to date on all that information. Um, at this point, again, there's a bunch of sort of uh, Matthew McConaughey strings uh, from True Detective, and everything does seem to be coming back to Russia. And, uh, and of course, Russia is the only country that Donald Trump has yet to offend. Uh, which tells you a lot about how much he likes them because he hasn't gone above and beyond to be an asshole to them. Uh, so that's about as nice as the guy can get, I think. Yeah. But going back to the corporations melding with government, Jared Kushner now, obviously, again, the the husband uh, of Ivanka Trump, who has security clearance, just to make that clear once again, has said they're going to run government like a corporation, which makes us customers, uh, I suppose, in in their mind. And it doesn't. Or does it make us employees? No, I don't. They don't want employees. They don't want. I'm really employees. not. I'm really not sure because if we're customers, then that means we're paying them. 
for a we, service. Yeah, that's what we do taxes. every single tax. So taxes. So we're so that's we are is. customers, and they are a a business. They're a business, and they're not going to be beholden to our well being whatsoever. But they will be collecting our money and taxes. But that, but no, that's a, but that's not that, because there's no other choice. We can't go to a different business. If it was a business, then we would have the choice. We would have market choice to go to a different uh, government to let's pay for. Multi, let's do multiple governments. <laughs> I suppose theoretically, those would be state governments. I guess more chain stores things like that yeah um so yeah that is like it's a different way of governance and the question is can you take a corporate model and put it into a government model as we saw with the aca um with the repeal and their attempt to replace with ryan care who by the way we'll get into that in a second um as we saw their complete ineptitude when dealing with the Freedom Caucus. Mm -hmm. uh, the Freedom Caucus is, I believe, it's anywhere from 22 to 27 people. Um, Jim Jordan is the man who began the Freedom Caucus. Uh, Ted Cruz is a part of it. Um, Mike Lee, the senator out of Utah, is a part of it. It's kind of ironic the Freedom Caucus ha is anonymous. Mm -hmm. uh, very ironic, as a matter of fact. They were not able to make the uh, correct adjustments that the free the Trump administration and Ryan and Mitch McConnell were not able to make the right adjustments in order for it to pass the House. And by the luckiest man of the week was Mitch McConnell. Yeah. The fact that the Senate did not have to vote on oh. this health care um, is huge. Yeah, he got that scot free. Scot free. And Paul Ryan, the man who got into the uh, speakership role like a like a child, uh, going to the dentist office, kicking and screaming, <laughs> did not want this role at all, is um, being proven very correct in his understanding of how difficult the position is. There's a reason John Banner smoked three packs of Newports a day. He's like, this is almost, I want to die. Can I, can I die already? Newport, take my life. I mean, right now, only got one of the hardest jobs in government. He got it under a Trump presidency, right? A I mean, man who he did not actually act actively support. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, being uh, in his position would be difficult under a normal presidency. Well, in Paul Ryan's perfect America, Hillary Clinton would be president. He could still be a part of the opposition party, mm -hmm. and the Democrats right now who get to be in the opposition and a bonus get to be in the minority. That's where you want to be politically. Yeah. Because you can make all the promises in the world. You can be obstructionist as much as you want. It doesn't matter because you're you're uh, you're in the minority. So it's actually a great time for the Democratic Party if you are in office. If the Democratic Party actually does their homework. Because the Republican Party were in no. the opposition for eight years. You know, they uh, said repeal, 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 replace, replace, replace. Yep. And then when it came time for them to finally repeal and replace Obama and Obamacare, they had nothing. I mean, well, what they came up with was, uh, I mean, it was obviously this something that was thrown together at the last minute. The irony is it wasn't. Uh, if you go and talk to Paul Ryan, and Paul Ryan promised, almost like Joe McCarthy with his suitcase, uh, with his briefcase. He's like, I've got all the names of the communists. It's full of nudie mags and vodka. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Paul Ryan, for seven years, was saying he has it under lock and key, his health care plan. This was it. Really? This is it. This is what, this is the, 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 the policy wonk. I think we turn, the, tur, you know, throw that term around far too much. Paul Ryan, he's been in office since 1999. Uh, he had, uh, since 2009 to figure out a bill. This was it. This is his main, this is his, uh, you know, his Magna Carta. That's the best they could do. That's it. And it couldn't pass the Freedom Caucus. Yeah. And then, then of course, you know, going back to this whole corporation versus government 
Donald Trump tweets out, archaic rules have stopped us. <laughs> the archaic rule is it's the House. Yeah, he said we found out about that. He said in his statement, in his, yeah. in his verbal statement, that we found out about some archaic rules in the House. We learned a lot today. It's the House. What do you mean? Like, it's voting? been there for 240 years. <laughs> yeah, what, how do you think archaic? it works? Archaic. It's just voting. But that's how, but that is, you know, that's, so that's going to be the interesting, take a corporate model, put it into a government and see how it works. Because obviously it's, it's an entire, he's not a CEO. And he has to understand he is a president and yeah. these are very different positions because they wield a different amount of power. Presidents have the bully pulpit. They have the ability to, um, you know, manipulate and, and kind of, you know, compromise. They do have a lot of power, but it's not a CEO. No, not at all. And, you know, as far as putting corporations into government, I mean, most people don't know is that before Richard Nixon signed it into law, healthcare was not allowed to be a for-profit business. It's very interesting. Until the 70s. And then in the 70s, healthcare became a for-profit business. Now see where we are with that. See where see we how, are. See how well that, when we started treating healthcare as a business, see how well that fucking worked out. And now we want to do the same thing to government? It's very interesting. And, uh, you know, when it comes to the healthcare debate with Donald Trump talking about how they're willing to let uh, Barack Obama's, uh, they're, they're willing to allow Obamacare, as it's been coined, to explode, implode. The American people are, that is so disturbing to them. Yeah. They don't care. And Donald Trump talking about how, oh, Nancy Pelosi is going to wear it around her neck. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be the noose around her neck. The American people are so, this is why he got elected, are so sick of these inside games. No one cares if Nancy Pelosi's upset. No one gives a shit if she's happy. No one cares about Nancy Pelosi. They care about their wallet, their health care, their family. So get something done. Yeah. It's no no one can hang their hat on um on oh my god, okay, sure, my premiums just went through the roof, but I heard Nancy Pelosi is unhappy. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was like uh, I was watching, what is it, Game of Thrones the other day. And uh, I was watching, he's like, oh, there's a war between uh, the fucking Lannisters and the Starks. And I was thinking, it's like, man, wouldn't it really suck to live in a time where these petty feuds between hmm. these two people affected so many thousands upon thousands of people? Wouldn't that really suck? And then I thought, oh, fuck. That's right. It is happening, and it never really hasn't happened, but it hasn't. I, I had a chance to interview Mark McKinnon. He's the executive producer for The Circus. It's on Showtime. It's absolutely wonderful. And, uh, you know, he was the one who worked with um, uh, with the uh, Ann Richards mm -hmm. of Texas and uh, W. Bush. He's a political Ann operative. Richards, rest in peace. Wonderful woman. Absolutely. Uh, if you just want to watch Futurama, she is uh, Maud. Is that the character? <laughs> Mom, something like that. Um, but he was saying this is the most hostile he's ever seen it. Yeah, and this is a man who's been around for decades in the, in political life, and he hasn't seen anything like it um, when it comes to the polarization of the political parties. And of course, it's because of gerrymandering and redistricting. Our soil is so tainted; uh, it is uh, flowering, um, you know, produce that is just as tainted. You know, mm -hmm. the soil of the country is producing politicians that are um, completely. Um, you know, flawed flowers, and and they have no incentive to work whatsoever. So we have to change all of that. I mean, it, it's so institutional. The problems happening right now. Well, it's so it's so ingrained in our in our roots of politics right now. Yeah. Well, these people have no incentive to work for us. They only have an incentive to make their own jobs better. Because you know, you've got right. these people. You know, they know that they're because of gerrymandering. They know that they're going to get elected next year. They know that they're going to be coming back. So what their main goal is is to make their own life in Washington easier. Even Representative Steve King out of Iowa, who basically 
um, tweeted about uh, white genocide, mm-hmm. for those that don't know what the alt-right means. And I want to talk a little bit more about Mike Stornovich and his 60 Minutes interview with his fake news website. Um, the When alt-right talk about white genocide, that's interracial. Yeah. There's just interracial children. Yeah. Um, that's what they mean by it. I mean, that's how primitive these thoughts are. We're back in the 30s. We're back in the 20s. Miscegenation. It's insane. You know, and it goes back to the trans uh, bill in North Carolina that the Republicans put forward. It's not about bathrooms, just like it wasn't about water fountains, uh, which I thought was actually a fairly good meme that I read. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's true. We're going backwards on certain things. And it's, and it's really fascinating to see. Things can get worse. We always have in our minds... Things progress. Yeah. Things get better. But things can go backwards, as we're seeing right now. Well, I think it's because a lot of people in our generation, things did get better for a long time. Sure. Like where you just saw every year, people kind of seemed to be a little bit better, a little bit more tolerant. Things started to be a little bit more in the past. And now we're uh, really starting to see, like, oh, shit, things can go uh, the other way sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I guess what is that? Uh, where there's a famous quote by somebody where it's like there is no history or there is no past or something like that. There is no future. There's just now or something like that. Where, I don't know. I just made it up. <laughs> I said it. There is no history. There is no future. There is, there is no, no past. past. There's just now. Ben Kissel. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. This sounds like a really fun author. There is just the present. There's no There's no past. There's no future. There's just the present. <laughs> sounds like it's vaguely biblical, actually. Yeah, a little bit. Um. So, uh, yeah. So when it comes to uh, Mike Cernovich on 60 Minutes, um, it, it, they weren't nearly hard enough on the guy. Mm-hmm. And we are living now, uh, going back to this hyper-polarization, we're, we're politicizing uh, horrible events on both sides. There's a case in Maryland right now involving two illegal immigrants. Uh, they, um, it's a rape case involving a 14-year-old girl. We're not going to get into the actual case because, frankly, we don't know. Um, but the right is politicizing it with the immigration debate. And uh, and then, of course, we have the situation with James Jackson, a Baltimore man who came up from Baltimore uh, to New York City to stab a young black man. Instead, he stabbed a 66 year old black dude named Timothy Kaufman. Uh, and the left is uh, is is politicizing those uh, that as well. And of course, the Pizzagate guy, Edgar Madison Welch, uh, who went into uh, Comet Pizza. It's actually called Comet Ping Pong Restaurant, yeah. which is kind of fun <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, shot up the place. Um, everything is getting hyper-politicized as opposed to just recognizing all of those events are horrible. Yeah. Regardless if you're a left or right, it doesn't matter. Every one of those events is horrible. And the individuals, and I'll focus a little bit more on the alt-right here when it comes to James Jackson and Edgar Madison Welch. And when I say the alt-right, I'm lumping in Alex Jones as well with that. Alex Jones isn't paying this guy's legal bills. When it comes to Edgar Madison Welch, Alex Jones doesn't live on the streets. Um, he doesn't live in the neighborhoods that he's affecting. You know, Rush Limbaugh doesn't live in the neighborhoods that he's affecting. They don't actually live in areas where their rhetoric manifests itself in reality. Mm-hmm. So they can continue talking. They can continue the the Cernoviches of the world. They can continue propagating hatred. They can continue doing all these things because, again, they are getting uh, they are getting clicks and uh, and and they are getting their lies. Uh, to uh, to be monetized, these monetized lies that we're living in. James uh, James Jackson, this man is a is a follower of the new normalization of racial tension that's happening in this country, and we have to look at the people who are propagating that kind of rhetoric. And at no point do they take responsibility for the fact that their words really have a real world effect. They, they don't have it. Rush Limbaugh lives in a mansion in Florida. He gets blown by whatever 30-year-old girl he wants to date at the time. He can do whatever he wants, pop in as many pills as he wants. He doesn't live on the streets of Iowa, Indiana, 
Wisconsin, where he, where he, people who listen to him actually enact his philosophies in real life. They are, they are the ivory tower. We talk about the ivory tower so many times when it comes to academics uh, and them not being in touch with the real world. And I agree with that as well. I mean, academics will throw random things out there and just pretend like they're true. And meanwhile, uh, that same academic won't even, you know, go to a Starbucks if, uh, you know, if the sign is a little dirty or something like that. But we have it on the left. That's the, that's their own ivory tower. Mm-hmm. The, these talk radio personalities and these website. Now, the the new talk, the right wing radio has shifted to right wing websites. Yeah. And that's where the power now is on the right wing. And they don't live in that world. Cernovich is a lawyer. He lives in a beautiful home in California. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't live uh, in these communities that are affected by the things that he says or by the lies that his website puts out there. Well, the problem with people like Alex Jones is that I think they can bolster some of these people into feeling like they're heroes. I mean, well, then the, that certainly happened with uh, with Welch there. Yeah, it it happened with uh, with the PizzaGate guy, uh, and it also you know it sounds like it happened with this guy here in uh, in New York, James City. Jackson. James Jackson it sounds like it happened with him as well because you know this guy mm-hmm. his whole thing was that he wanted to discourage inter racial relationships again and he took his stupid fucking nerd sword because 18 inch nerd sword (laughs) yes indeed because that's what these guys are they're fucking nerds he took his 18 inch nerd sword up to from baltimore up to new york city and by the way why does he have to come he went to new york city to maximize press coverage right i'm sure i mean who knows what was going on in this wacko's mind yeah i think that's what it was that he came to new york city because he thought if he did it in new york instead of baltimore then it would get more press coverage and he was right yeah because we're covering him right Right now, but this guy was, he was convinced that he was going to be a hero. And where are we getting this from? Why are we getting this new stigma on interracial relationships? It is coming from the alt-right. Oh, yeah. That's the only place it's coming from the alt-right. I mean, obviously, you know, you have your fringe groups on the left, you know, uh, what is the name of the people who always yell outside of Penn Station? Oh, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. <laughs> it's an Islamic name. Or I forget the name of the, yeah. the, These groups do happen. Uh, they do have power on both the left and the right. But at the end of the day, the alt-right is more in my crosshairs because they have somebody who relates to them in the White House. Yeah. They have real power in this country right now. And it is something that has to be nipped in the bud. Because we are going backwards on these civil rights issues, and they're leading to James Jackson going and wanting to kill a black man for what you just said, for, because he doesn't want to have interracial babies. This man was 66 years old. I don't think he was having uh, an interracial baby anytime soon. I think he was done. Yeah. Uh, as far as I know, that's why. But that's why he wanted to go kill a young black dude. Yeah. Uh, because he's just. He. I mean, the insecurity in these people. That's what it comes comes down to is this man was insecure in his own masculinity and this is this trope as old as time. Black men are more masculine than white men. White men better uh, degrade, discredit, and uh, eliminate them as, as much as they possibly can. I mean, and that's the, that's the kind of place that we're in again. I mean, it really all just sounds like that this guy had really liked a girl and the girl ended up dating a black guy. And for some reason, that really fucking set him off. Could be. Who knows? I mean, that's what, what, it, so- I mean, that's what it sounds like. It sounds well, pretty fucking cut and dried. I mean, I guarantee you this guy wasn't going out and dating. You know, he said that he wanted this James Jackson character. He said he wanted to get a thrill. He thought it would be really thrilling. And apparently, once he realized that he killed an older gentleman, uh, he said the thrill was gone. Oh, no. Yes. Uh, just Sorry like he that. got fucking ruined for you, buddy. Yeah, he said he didn't get the high that he really wanted to. I guess he, he smoked some bad dope, and it didn't, it didn't work <laughs> out for him. And so he didn't even get the satisfaction that he thought he was going to get. But why did he even feel that he was going to get satisfaction doing that? 
Because he you thought know, he was going to be a hero. Because he thought that everyone, because you get sucked into and stuck in these echo chambers. And you see it. I mean, the left, my Twitter feed is just so, it's all echo chamber talk. I mean, it's unbelievable. But we're seeing that with the websites, with the monetized lies. Um, the echo chamber is just larger than ever. And it's smaller. It's small echo chambers. And the alt-right was a small echo chamber that expanded and ballooned out because it gave identity to people who were previously... In their minds, they thought that they were being demoralized and being shrunk. And even it, and the alt-right is like all classic, almost cults. You know, it's like, okay, you don't have to agree with us on everything, but I'm sure you feel a little bit sad, right? Mm-hmm. And they got these white people. Yeah, you feel sad. Have you ever wondered why you feel why, sad? Is it somebody else's fault, possibly? <laughs> black, guy, black guy, black guy. Hmm. And it's just, it's, it's cult uh, behavior 101, which is why they are having such a difficult time um, separating the fact that when you make fun of Donald Trump, you're not making fun of them as a whole. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not. Um, they refuse to make fun, or they refuse to acknowledge that Donald Trump is not doing things uh, in an effective way at this point. And they refuse to acknowledge that when you have a president who simply signs executive order after executive order, who is worse than Obama. Obama only signed, I believe it was 200, uh, what was it, 243. W had more, and Clinton had the most with roughly 350. I believe W had 293, and then uh, Obama was less than that. When you have somebody who uh, is doing things that are worse than than his predecessor, and you demonize his predecessor for doing it. Golf vacations, case in point. Golf vacations, he's already had 13. Obama didn't go on his first golf vacation until six months in. That, to me, is the easiest promise of all time to live up to. Don't go. It's like you don't ha- you don't have just don't go golfing. Don't go. And also don't lie about it when you do go golfing. When they said that President Trump's going to work throughout the weekend in the wild. He did. Like that was some big fucking deal that he was going to work through the fucking weekend. He should be. He should be. It's the White House. It's supposed <laughs> to be fun. Go I play a video game arcade I run in the a basement. stupid fucking podcast network and I work through the weekend, but I don't want a goddamn pat on the back for it. It's unbelievable. So they just refuse to acknowledge when he makes mistakes, and it is because currently uh, they are blinded by their ideology, but then they're also just blinded by hate for the other side. Yeah. And this is happening on the left and the right. Um, everyone is just blinded by hate on the other side, and whenever you have your intention, if your intention is solely to dis- demoralize and make the other side sad, you are never going to find a candidate that actually can bring both sides together and uplift you, as a matter of fact. You, when you, Whenever you win a fight, you know, like uh, whether it be physical or a verbal altercation, you don't really feel that good. You're like, yeah, I made made him cry. <laughs> I, okay, fine. You know, thank. Yeah. But you know, and and that's the one thing now that the left has to work on. They cannot simply be the uh, the party of uh, obstruction. They have to find some voices mm-hmm. that have a um, a uh, a galvanizing effect and have a message that they can actually um, transcend what the Democratic Party is currently doing. And, uh, and and be more than just we're look at let's try to make them feel bad. We need to we need a candidate. The Democratic Party needs a candidate that can actually uh, make those constituents who voted for Donald Trump who will not who will definitely be looking for another option in 2020 mm-hmm. uh, because people are absolutely livid with what he's doing with Medicaid and all those sorts of things. Uh, they need to find a candidate who can get those people on, and you're not going to be able to do that if your point, if the goal of your campaign or the goal of your party is to make those people feel bad. Yeah, you just can't do it. You got to get the best way to uh, 
you know, eliminate an enemy is to make them your friend. And that's the only, that's, and that's what they have to do. And we'll, we'll see. We're two months in, uh, two and a half months in. So the Democratic Party now is simply obstructionist. They have some time. They just fired, uh, you know, uh, the new um, uh, Tom Perez, the new head of the DNC. They just completely gutted it. They fired everybody who was with the DNC. Mm-hmm. They fired everyone. Really? So they are, they're redoing it. They're rebranding. This is the time. If you're the Democratic Party, this is the time. Get people in there. Uh, that aren't just about hating on the other side, then actually have a message that will resonate with the American people. Because as Donald Trump showed us, people are so starved for anyone who will just listen to them. And the thing with Donald Trump, he is just as dumb as him. Yeah. And that and that worked out very well. And I'm not and I'm not demonizing other people for being stupid. I think he um, I think he actually sp- spoke down to them in a lot of ways. Uh, and uh, but he you know that was that was yeah, all I part mean, of the, he, the, he the song that, and dance that he did. He said that he could murder someone in the middle of 5th Avenue and they wouldn't care. Yes. I mean that's tantamount to saying that you he told them you are dumb sheep that will follow me no matter what. I can murder someone and you will still follow me and yeah. I love it and so do you. And that's and, very, they, and you know what they did when he said that? <laughs> well, it's very it's very Putin-esque and if you look at ni- if, uh, Putin's 1999 campaign after Boris Yeltsin completely uh, diminished the Soviet Union, uh, obviously it dissolved underneath him. Putin was absolutely pissed. Putin ran on the exact same platform that that um, that uh, Donald did in 2016 make Russia great again was basically all that Putin was saying and uh, you can see the tactics being very similar which of course plays into the larger Russian ties and that's why Donald Trump who praised Putin for hacking Hillary Clinton who praised him for his leadership style um, not realizing that he will not have the 80% pr- approval rating that Putin has in Russia because America is much larger and uh, much smarter uh, than the Russian people. Well, let's not forget that Manafort was Trump's campaign manager longer than Bannon was. And uh, yes, and of course, the, the people of Russia, 50% of the television and well, basically 100% of television is owned by the government and 50% of the industry is owned by the government. And now, uh, finally, to wrap it all up, with government becoming a corporation, does what does that mean? Does government start to when they start to bleed into each other? Is that an oligarchy? Sounds like an oligarchy to me. When uh, the uh, when business when, cons- when, when, when yeah, that's business, an oligarchy. That's an oligarchy. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it seems like to me. And that and that's the that's the slippery slope that we uh, have that we're, that we're seeing now happen right before our eyes. They want an oligarchy. If there's one thing that, that Donald Trump wants is an oligarchy. That's basically what the policies I mean, that we've he's been, putting in place right now would lead to. We've been running towards an oligarchy for a long time now, and you know, and a lot of people argue that we have been an oligarchy for quite a few years already. Yeah, technocracy or uh, uh, kleptocracy, whatever you want to say. But certainly you can see the, uh, the, the, uh, the signs are there for an oligarchy to be put in place. Uh, oligarchy also sounds like a great name for a punter. <laughs> Um, who can just you every Ron time he, oligarchy? There he is, and he just the ball just explodes every time he hits it. And they're like, technically, you're really powerful, but that's a horrible punt. <laughs> they get it right, they get the ball right there. Um, all right, well, that's Marcus Parks. You can find him on Twitter at Marcus Parks and Instagram at Marcus Parks. I'm on Twitter at Ben Kissel, Instagram Ben Kissel One. I've got to download it in my phone again. I got a new phone. I have yet to download it. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see. I, I think that, oh, we got the shirts. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank the um, listener out in uh, San Francisco. He's running for the 12th district. I believe it was San Jose. But email me, man. Ben K721 at gmail.com. Email me. In 
and, and keep me up to date on that. And I got some fun campaign news uh, coming up here. We're, we're almost starting to fundraise. Oh, yeah. And we're going to put the fun in fundraising. Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> we're going to put the, uh, uh, well, you know what? Scratch that part. No, no. I'm just joking. But we're going to have a lot of great times. And all, everyone at CCR is going to be involved in the campaign. And we're going to be smart. And we're going to be funny. And we're just going to hopefully inspire everyone to get involved. I got you. Put the sing in fundraising. That's it. So we'll get uh, we'll get the cowmen to do a, a, a political ad for us, and it'll be yeah. No one's going to be better for Brooklyn than a country band. Well, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, that that'll be good. Um, all right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Go buy a T-shirt. We'll talk to you soon. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to CaveComedyRadio.com.